Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I, we were spending, you know, hour one going into the NFL, mostly this Cam Newton to the New England Patriots move, which is certainly one of the headlines of the offseason, right? The old Patriots quarterback and his movement was a big-time headline. The new Patriots quarterback moving to New England, obviously a huge headline as well. We left off, though, talking about Carolina, Kev, and the idea that maybe they go downfield. I got to tell you. There's another player out there who is a big-time deep threat that is also getting the right kind of buzz right now, Kevin. This is the thing. This is the time of year when everybody should be in the best shape of their life. Everybody should take a step forward in the next year of their development, and that's what we're hearing out of Baltimore when it comes to Hollywood Brown. They are saying that, listen, they think he is perfectly suited to be the wide receiver one in that offense going downfield, being that kind of big play threat for Lamar Jackson. Remember, we were very excited that they got Duvernay as well in the third round. Mark Andrews going as a top tight end. But the real point of this is, and we've shown this before, Kev, Baltimore is the most run-heavy team in the National Football League, a league high rushing percentage of about 49%. I think we did that previously. And Lamar Jackson had a league low dropbacks for a QB1 at only 468. Yet he had 36 touchdowns, right, in just those dropbacks. So talk to me about Hollywood Brown and how you view him. Is this one of the things, like I've said to you previously, Deshaun Jackson is an incredible value for his team, but it doesn't always show up in the box score, right? Because mm. what he does to stretch a defense, what he does to help others, maybe Zach Ertz underneath, for example. I sort of see Hollywood Brown in this offense similarly. His skill set provides a role for the Ravens that is important, but it's not all because the ball is being thrown to him. You know what I mean, Kev? Yes, I definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying. I think the question, though, of can Marquise Brown improve on last year should be a resounding yes, right? First of all, we're expecting Lamar to throw more based on them not wanting him to run, you know, 175 times based on them being in closer games. I mean, what they did last year was out of this world. And then Lamar not sitting in fourth quarters along with the rest of these starters, right? So that right there can take someone like Marquise Brown from 71 targets in a 14-game window to maybe 100-plus targets. And someone like Marquise Brown with 100 targets is something to be very, very excited about. But the question is, with him being this team's number one receiver, can he be more, though, than a guy you describe as a great best ball play? That's the question for me. On Marquise Brown. Now, Mark Andrews leading that, this That's where I'm going to go. Talk to me about Mark Andrews and targets. I think Mark Andrews is probably going to still lead this team in targets. And by the way, this like their second um, leading receiver from yards was Hayden Hurst, who is now wow. gone, right? That's interesting. So there's, again, there's a decent a bit of work up for grabs. The thing with Hollywood Brown, right? Game one, remember, remember that first game, right, against Miami? 147 yards, two touchdowns. It looked like this was going to be broken. He came out week two, had eight catches for 86 yards, and now he's owned in every league. And it was pretty shaky from there on. There was a week against the Niners. He had one catch for one yard, bounced back against Buffalo for three catches for negative two yards, and it was like, oh, this is terrible. But then Mm -hmm. he closes the season in the playoffs, okay, against the Titans. Targeted 11 times, brings in seven of those, for 126 yards entering year two partnered up with Lamar Jackson. I think there is a chance that Marquise Brown is more than just the best ball option. I I think, and that's real dangerous for a guy with that type of skill set. 
I hear you. Um, I don't disagree when I look at Hayden Hurst having, you know, the is the third biggest option in that pass game. When I look at Willie Sneed, who I don't think is still there necessarily either. You know, there is uh, whether that opportunity, though, you know, you're right. Brown could ascend, right? The other part is Duvernay is going to get some of that. J.K. Dobbins is going to get some of that, right? So still the allocation of the pieces of the pie are interesting to me. Um, I don't want to sell him short as a best ball guy, you know what I mean? But in that offense, you're also he's not going to be used half the time. You talk about Lamar not playing in fourth quarters. When you're up 28 to 10, you ain't play action going down the field 50 yards kind of stuff, right? So we will see. I think he's a very interesting option for me I don't see him as the consistent Ravens option. I see Andrews as the consistent Ravens option. I think Hollywood Brown is more, I call it best ball, but he's going to have some more up and down weeks, in my opinion. Would you say, I'm just trying to think of the guys that fit this description for you. Will Fuller. Brown, Fuller, Deshaun Anderson, Deshaun Jackson, probably the four guys that come to mind, right? Sure. Robbie is less for me, though, because Robbie built himself, I think, into more of a complete receiver in his last year with the Jets. But go ahead. But the point is well taken. Yes. But of those four guys, who's the guy that you're most likely to put on a roster? Not 80 or rank highest for a season of fantasy football. Will Fuller. Uh, Will Fuller is the incumbent option there uh, with Deshaun Watson now without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Obviously, Cooks eats up some of that. But, you know, for me, Will Fuller becomes like the veteran incumbent there for Houston. Um, I would take I would take Will Fuller, I think. But you're right. It's close. I just I got to say, and I know I know we're talking about Marquise Brown, but I really wonder if Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and Kenny Stills, like all of them, are massively underrated. I, yeah, I, I don't mean, know. That's really? a hurt. They're also all the same type of wide receiver, right? They are. But th- we're talking then again about big play wide receivers that yeah. are getting – like Deshaun Watson is what, QB5, right? Yeah. Four, five, and six? remember, David Johnson has experience of being one of the top backs in the league too. Like it, it, it's, it's up in the air the way that could go. I just feel, though, as if the idea that all of those guys, and if I remember correctly, they're all like wide receiver 40 or later, right? Yeah, I'd have to go back and double check, and maybe there has been some movement. But I, I, I hear you. I'll go and check it right now. I think, there's a, I think there's a chance for two of the three to outperform their ADP quite comfortably. You're talking about the Houston receivers? Yeah. All right, I'll, 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 I'll work to bring that up. But as I do, let me tell you about another story that crossed my radar that I think is interesting. You know, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, when the confetti was falling down, it was defensive lineman stud, Chris Jones, that was like, yo, dynasty. We're going to be a dynasty, right? But what was ironic, and he got some shade for it, is he wasn't under contract anymore. So if he wanted this to be a dynasty, he needed to re-sign with the team. And ironically, Kev, there has been no movement here. No movement with the Chiefs and Chris Jones. I wonder if you think, um, you know, how does this wind up? Because we've talked about franchise tags and big-time players. Chris Jones is a key part of that Kansas City defense that got better you know, recently, um, are they going to make a deal here? Is this going to end well? Is this not going to end well? What do you think about this situation? And how important is Chris Jones to that evolving defense? Yeah, I, I think he's certainly important, right? Is, with the way that they, you know, like to get after the, the quarterback. Sure. Um, you know, Jones is so important for them up the middle. He was excellent last year. He's been excellent. I think some people might say he's maybe the third best interior defensive interior lineman in the league behind, behind Donald, Donald and, and, Co- and Cox. Fletcher Cox, right? Yeah, it's possible. Some, somewhere, there, yes. Like, he's he's really, really good. Now, the, the, the struggle of it all, though, is sometimes it's hard to pay those interior defensive linemen. Positional value, right? It, yeah, it's a, it's a positional value thing, and you know, it's knowing that Pat Mahomes is going to get the biggest contract in football history. You have to be wise with your money. Yeah, it's tough. It's right? tough. Yeah, but you know, it's right now. 
Your window is right effing now, you know? It so is. I'm almost like I'd be okay to paint myself in a corner four years from now because I may get two more titles out of the deal. For sure. The, like, but is there a way to get him there without having to extend him, right? Like, that's kind of the – that's the question. And I think, to be honest with you, part of these questions that we're asking here, like, they will skate by on this. Because the production will be there from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Right. The decision to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a real questionable one for this. Damian Williams, for some people, was the Super Bowl MVP. I told you about this, bro. Like, I don't know if that was the move. And so not only did you use a high draft pick on a running back, any first-round pick's a high draft pick on a running back, but also... Edwards Hilaire will start to make dents in your salary cap at that position. That's yep. just what happens. He's with, a first rounder also. That, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's just what happens with first round running backs. Like he will start to make a dent a little bit. And I think these are kind of the reasons why we, you know, had those reservations when they drafted him. Again, they'll skate by on it because he's oh, going he's to be good. You know the reservations I had, that there was already a stocked running back room that could play the role. I already thought they were going quantity over quality in Kansas City. So it is interesting. Kev, man, we've been doing the shows together for what? I don't know, a few months, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I love you, brother. And this is part of the reason why. As I look at the wide receiver ADPs of mm. what we've been talking about, Here's going to be a smile on your face. Um, so Will Fuller is wide receiver 35. Brandon Cooks is wide receiver 36. Oh, boy. Marquise Brown <laughs> is wide receiver 34. There you have it. You're literally back to back in the Fantasy Pros rankings, which we look at. So remember, when you were asking of those guys and I happen to take Fuller over Brown, they are right next to each other if you look at it. And by the way, I did not before them see the names Robbie Anderson or Deshaun Jackson, right? So when you asked me that, I happened to take the other one, but clearly it is a coin flip. Oh, by the way, who's one above that? Another name we have discussed in this episode. It is the slot receiver for the New England Patriots, Julian Edelman, right? So Edelman, right now, Edelman, 32, Hollywood, 33, Fuller, 34, Cooks, 35. That's you, how it goes. You, you, Go gotta, you, you got 30 seconds to do so, Kevin. You, you have to let me walk you up that list with Edelman and see how far you move him now with Cam Newton at quarterback. He's he got to be wide receiver, too. When come back here on the early line, Cam Newton has provided the changing context for everybody, Kevin has Julian Edelman zooming up boards. We'll find out how far when we come back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge as a sports investor. And we also thought about this, giving you the edge in fantasy. We've been talking about the impact of Cam Newton. He's the second choice for comeback player of the year. It has moved the Patriots to become the favorite in the AFC East onto a tier upon themselves in the AFC behind KC and Baltimore, but ahead of everybody else. And we've been talking about the moving betting markets, but Kevin also brought up, and I, I mentioned there's moving fantasy markets as well and we stumbled upon the curious case of julian edelman who i know kev you had as a diamond in the rough based on value when we initially did the patriots kind of preview you believe now especially cam newton cam newton a la north turner getting the ball out had a 67 percent completion rate a lot of that's going to go to julian edelman i mentioned to you that edelman is right now being drafted as a mid to back end wide out three. And you think that is a little bit ridiculous, just above speed guys like Will Fuller and Hollywood Brown. If I tell you Edelman and we want to play the game, how high up does he go? So 
I'm going to give you the names of the people directly above Julian Edelman in ADP, and you're going to say Edelman or, right? That's how we're going to play? Yeah, it works for me. I just want to say, though, I will be asking you the same, because you already know I'm excited about Edelman, right? Sure, sure, sure. I'll I'll slow your roll if it's needed. No problem. So, right, but I think you've... I think we're going to get a little bit, we're going to get some ways before you need me to slow any roll. Because I'm with you on this. Right above Julian Edelman are two Cincinnati Bengal wide receivers, Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green. Yeah, I... I, Edelman over both of them now? Boyd, comfortably. Right. The A.J. Green thing, interesting. Because I think A.J. Green is another guy who's going to move up draft boards in the next couple of months. Yeah. I think that A.J. Green is someone that I'm interested in because I've found myself, as the days continue, to be more and more excited about Burrow. With that being said, though, the fact that Boyd is still there, I don't know if A.J. Green gets still that full wealth of targets. Also, I don't know how healthy I trust him to be. Right. So that... Remember that. Yeah, I would probably still push Edelman over both those guys. Yeah, I I have similar feelings with A.J. Green being a weird caveat. I may take a stab at A.J. Green on some of my drafts because, listen, the upside is there and garbage time points count as well. But for now, I'm cool with that. Would you like Julian Edelman or Jarvis Landry? Oh, definitely Julian Edelman. I mean, Jarvis Landry, I get the excitement level there. And last year, did he outperform Odell Beckham like from a – from a I'll bring it up. Perspective. I'll bring up the Baltimore. Uh, excuse me, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Uh, no problem. But yeah, uh, I'll check that out. But you like Edelman over Landry? Ironically, for yeah, me, yeah, yeah I, I do too. But Landry is that same kind of receiver, that PPR kind of safe floor receiver, if that makes sense. Um, so you know, it's not really hate on Landry, but you're right. I do think the opportunity. Uh, is good for Julian Edelman. So I'll move him up as well. Ooh, next up is a guy I think you're high on, Julian Edelman or DK Metcalf. Mm. Yes, I am excited about DK Metcalf, but also he's the second wide receiver on a team. Like, And I just yep. think that that's such a big deal. I might be completely mislabeling it, but I just see Julian Edelman as someone that has an opportunity for top five, top 10 targets in the league. I don't think that's true. For DK Metcalf, he needs some really good touchdown production, I think, to outscore Edelman. Yeah, I agree with you. And just so you know, you are right. Jarvis Landry led the 2019 Cleveland Browns in targets, five more than Odell. In receptions, nine more than Odell. In yards, I'm doing some quick math, but about 140 more than Odell. Even got into the end zone twice more, six touchdowns for Landry, four for Odell. So the question is, why is Landry going as wide receiver 28? Meanwhile, Odell is all the way up as wide receiver 12. But you like Edelman over Metcalf. I agree. Edelman is the best wide receiver, number one wide receiver for the Pats. Metcalf has to deal with Lockett and others. And Seattle's a much more heavy, run-heavy team, at Mm -hmm. least usually. But it sounds like you want to talk a little bit about Landry and Odell still. Well, I just want to bring that up because to me, right, now the whole stuff with Odell last year was a bit of a mess, right? And... Now we look at um, you know, the offseason. The bounce back all the way. Odell is right now in, as a wide receiver one, wide receiver 12, I believe, overall. So the question to me, though, right, is like for Odell, who had touchdowns in each of the last two games of the season, right, if Odell pops off and is Odell, how much of this can Jarvis still do, though? I mean, the fact that he out-targeted Odell, right, but it also yep. – then begs the question, like, you would, most people would say, oh, no, this hurts had Austin Cooper to me. This oh, hurts yeah. Austin Cooper uh, idea, right? Hunt's like, Hunt's now in there for a full wealth of games, Hunt, too. I think, are going to get theirs, okay? Odell and Jarvis are going to get theirs. I think the problem is Hooper becomes the forgotten man, but it's all good because he has something like $80 million to rest <laughs> at <laughs> night and will be okay. Let's keep pushing this. I think it's interesting. Next up, after Metcalf, we climb up. We're at wide receiver 26, Julian Edelman, or now in wide receiver one for his team, okay? We're starting to get into that territory, Kev. Edelman or Stefan Diggs? 
great question. Wow. I think using some of our conversation that we had with Ryan Tablet, uh, who covers the Bills, right? I think I'd lean Edelman. Okay. Diggs is, Diggs is in a situation where John Brown is There's, still oh, someone who has a – Is there. Dawson yeah. Knox is there. John Brown has that rapport with Josh Allen. Diggs is going to be commanding a bit harder assignments. And Cam Newton's a better quarterback than Josh Allen for me. All right. So here's the thing. Uh, what I'm gleaning off of you is you believe the gap between Julian Edelman and Pat's wide receiver two, right, is so big that he, Edelman, becomes one of those target monster kind of fantasy assets, right? In a way, when I talk to you about some of these other number ones, their work being split. And honestly, I wonder what you think about the split of these next few wide receiver ones for their teams, okay? With Diggs at 26. He becomes the wide, he's the wide receiver one for his team. The next one, two, three, four, five, six names, maybe even seven that I'm going to say, oh, eight that I'm going to say are now the wide receiver ones for their team. I would, I don't think you're going to put Edelman over all these guys. So let me not go one by one, but give you kind of, do you think this is where Edelman belongs? Because I do. The next names are a group of T.Y. Hilton, Terry McLaurin, Tyler Lockett, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark. Uh, these are all one wide receiver ones for their team. I'll take Edelman over Chark. But when you're starting to talk about Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, T.Y. Hilton, who you know I'm very high on, maybe we have found the range. You've asked me to check you. I think we're home here. I think that of that group, though, right? So if even if we were to go one by one. Sure. Terry McLaurin. I, I know I'll take him over McLaurin. I'll take him right. over Chark. I would probably take Sutton. I would take T.Y. Right. I might take Lockett. And so, then after that, we get into names like A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, like coin flip. To me, what is it, right, that has Keenan Allen that much higher than Julian Edelman? I mean, if you really looked at it. Question. You raise a good question. I believe, I guess I would have to tell you, I just believe the Chargers offense will be more productive than the Patriots on the whole. And so then the production will be there for the Chargers uh, more. I think the pie, not the slices of the pie, right? The pie itself, the passing attack pie of the Chargers is mm. bigger than the passing attack pie of the Patriots. And I get that, right? I'm just saying... Julian Edelman was wide receiver seven last year. Now, Keenan was six, okay? Okay. Give Keenan his due. We don't give Keenan maybe enough credit. And we've, the thing is, as we've gone through this exercise, we are still seeing some of the names that you and I have pointed out as okay. way too low. Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, yeah. right? Like, those are guys that we feel are way too I'll low. I'll put Edelman in that group. And they should all, in my opinion, be solid wide receiver twos. And that's where I have them now, right? We're talking about these names. When I tell you Parker, Sutton, Allen, that's like 18, 19, and 20. Those are wide receiver twos. I believe Edelman belongs in that tier. And I and I think there – I'm just saying I think there's a world where it could be – I think he's a floor wide receiver two guy. He had yeah. 153 targets last year, right? If you get targeted that much, you're pretty much a wide receiver one. Like, that's almost how that works, right? Now, again, maybe the target share drops off. Based on what? I don't know. But maybe. New new quarterback, they're trying some different stuff out. Okay. I'm just saying is Julian Edelman being wide receiver 30. I understand how deep wide receiver is. Yeah. I understand that in a person's projections, right, even one more touchdown might move you up six sure. spots. I totally get all of that. But from a, from a pure safety a floor, perspective, yeah, a floor right? perspective is floor safe, I, yes. I just think that Edelman belongs up much higher on boards, and I think that I'm going to end up banking a lot of my fantasy seasons on Julian Edelman because when it comes to value, yeah, 
he's going to be the best option on the board almost every single time for me. Yeah, and we've talked about this, right? It sounds like I've convinced you, in essence, to go RBRB at the top, right? And then if you're looking at three, four, five wide receivers, and if Julian Edelman is there in round four to be your wide receiver too, after, you know, you already have, oh, I don't know, call it Odell, right? Call it Mike Evans, whatever the case may be, sounds good to me. One of the things you mentioned is kind of that the touchdowns, are fluky and dependent and regression, and that's so much of a player's fantasy profile. And I said to you earlier in the show that I think this is a um, a risk for Sony Michelle. He's going to get touchdowns in this Patriots run offense, but now with Cam Newton there, he has served as a goal line back, um, you know, every year for the Carolina Panthers. And so if it saps away you know, two, three touchdowns from Sony Michelle and some other short yards carries, I think that Michelle is the risk here to go down boards in the same way Julian Edelman was a risk to go up boards. Right now, what I have up, and by the way, to this point, I have up running back ranks in PPR settings where Sony Michelle also gets dinged, and he is basically getting drafted right now as a flex play. All right, as a flex play outside of RB2, but within 25 to 36, okay? He is going right behind Philip Lindsay, which I think is interesting, going right ahead of Jordan Howard. When we come back, we will play the same game. Would you now take Jordan Howard over Sony Michelle? How far might Sony Michelle fall? And where would we slot Cam in into the fantasy? You know we like these dual threat rushing potential guys. Cam's always been a fantasy asset. What's he at now with New England and Josh McDaniels? We'll discuss that when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Kevin and I, you know, with the signing of Cam Newton, we looked at the the futures for the team, the prospects for the team, but there's also, you know, the fantasy angle. As we've done roster resets, right, we've looked at futures bets, and we've done that for the team, but we also give you diamonds and fugazis. We think that Edelman becomes an even bigger diamond now with Cam Newton in the saddle. And remember, Cam was going with that short passing attack as an MVP candidate the first half of 2018 with North Turner there and that offense happening. So we like the move for Julian Edelman. And his fantasy prospects, we believe he is definitely a wide receiver, too, this year in fantasy. The question is, does the inverse happen to the running backs? And you made a very interesting point. I believe that this happens for Sony Michelle. The reason is because Sony Michelle is the early down back, the between the tackles back, the goal line back. And guess what? Cam Newton eats into that role, whereas James White, as the pass-catching back, plays, in essence, what Cam is used to with Christian McCaffrey. So that's okay. And as I look into running back ranks, I'm I'm in a PPR format because, Kev, I think that has sort of moved to become the new norm, uh, Mm -hmm. is the PPR as, like, the default instead of what used to be known as standard. And I also will make the point that Sonny Michel gets dinged in PPR, formats anyway because he is such a ground and pound in between the tackles back but he is still going as viable flex play at rb 36 overall so if our thesis is that he falls let's play the same game sony michelle or and see how far and i'll try to check you if needed uh sony michelle or the guy right behind him number 37 on this list Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard playing the lead back role again, but for Miami versus Sony Michelle. Who you like? Man, like uh, out the gate, that's a tough one, right? Because I think there's an argument to be made that maybe Matt Breda should see more work. The one other thing that I did want to bring up with the Sony Michelle situation is Brady took three touchdowns from him last year. Yeah. So Cam coming in. Like, and taking 
more five touch like how much more though right like i don't know i don't think we ever see the cam newton like double digit t- rushing touchdown season again i don't think okay. so maybe could be wrong okay i'm just saying that you know the sunny maybe the hit isn't as big as we'd think okay. as i stare at this honest on its face I think I still might put Sonny in front of him. I would not. Because I would take, I take Jordan the Howard. Offense. I would take Jordan Howard, and it goes back to another exercise we did, timeshare or RBB3. And I remember there, Kevin, you sort of thought the Patriots were a timeshare, but remember, I thought they were more of a committee. And so that's part of my rationale here, at least up against Jordan Howard. The roles are clear for Jordan Howard, right, and the Miami Dolphins. I think they are the prototypical timeshare. Howard, the Thunder, Brita, the Lightning. And let me ask it to you this way. You didn't call the Pats an RBB3. You called them a timeshare. If we did that exercise, wouldn't you put the Patriots either now as a committee or even as one of those teams where the quarterback makes up a legitimate chunk? Or are they still, is Sonny Michel still part of a two-man timeshare, in your opinion, in New England? The thing with Cam is we are still unsure how involved he'll be in the rushing attack. That 2018 season that I I referenced, he had a little bit more, I believe, than 400 yards rushing, and I believe he had four rushing touchdowns in those 14 games. Is that a... That ran for less than that in our QB chunk group when we did the categorization. Did we? Yes. Who? Uh, I believe Deshaun Watson would be one. Watson didn't run for... Well, Watson had like... Didn't Watson have like seven rushing touchdowns? Maybe, but I remember thinking that we we considered people that were like 200-something yards as well. Like, Kyler was in the 500s. I don't know if Josh Allen was in the 500s. I don't know. Um, But, you know, if Cam gets like 300 yards rushing, that's a a legitimate chunk, no? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Rex Burkhead last year had, had, you know, 300 yards and three touchdowns. And I know that was obviously... Yeah, and I get that. Look, I totally get that. I guess I feel maybe weirdly a bit safer with Sonny just because I can see Matt Breda being on the field more than Jordan Howard. Right, game flow and stuff like that. I understand that. Next name on the list is another running back we've talked about a lot. You mentioned the Chiefs before. Damian Williams or Sonny Michel. Another nightmare of a situation. That's right. where we are, right? We're here in the late 30s. We're talking about your RB4, your bi-week fill-in on the flex position. Right. And I guess the, the thing with Sony Michelle is, can I, despite Cam Newton's arrival and the fact that he can't catch a football, can I still pencil him in for, on average, 11 points a week? Is that, is that, and like, is that what I should be? Get the end zone. That's the thing. He is like tight ends. He is touchdown reliant because he's not getting catches. He's running for like 64 yards. Okay. 64 yards is one thing. 64 yards and a touchdown is a lot different. I think the interesting thing with Sonny is there's two different things. One, we've always talked about how a Russian quarterback, though, opens lanes up for you a bit more. Fair. And maybe Sonny Michelle can run through things a little bit further. Fair. The other thing is, and I've seen a lot of people talk about this. The Patriots were like the most predictable team in football last year. If Sonny was on the field, it was a right. run. James White was on the field, it was a pass. Burkhead sort I, of in between, but still a tell. I wonder if they just try and mix things around a little bit and maybe yeah. at least Sonny's just not as predictable so he can be a bit more efficient than in his runs. But he also has injury concerns, right? I remember. I think I remember you talking about that he was dealing with some stuff over the offseason. Yeah, the knee has been an issue for Sonny Michel ever since down in Georgia. I want to tempt fate here with a couple more names, Kevin. Uh, We talked Damian Williams. The next few names are ironic to me, and to be honest, there's a couple in here that I am dramatically taking over Sonny Michel. I think they're lower rated than they need to be, and you're going to agree with me on some of them. I know that. Okay. Um, 39, Ronald Jones. 40, J.K. Dobbins. 41, Kerryon Johnson, 42, Tevin Coleman, and 43, the one I know you're going to agree with me on, 43 is Marlon Mack. This is such an awful group of running backs that I don't want any part of. You're not taking Marlon Mack over Sonny Michel? The problem is, Sonny Michel might out-carry Marlon Mack. 
You might. Right? I mean, the thing is, Jonathan Taylor offers the same skill set as Marlon Mack and is going as RB22. And he's my rookie of the year. I know. Like, that's If he's your rookie of the year, like, that's been my problem with Marlon Mack this whole time. Tevin Coleman started the game as a starting running back after what Raheem Mostert did. Do they love him? I don't know. Carry right. on Johnson versus DeAndre Swift. I don't know. J.K. Right. Dobbins, I actually think I remember many, many moons ago told you, I thought he could be an interesting dart throw in the rookie right. of the year conversation but also is probably, at best, third in carries on his team. It's almost this weird thing with Sonny Michel. He deserves to be dinged for Cam's arrival. But he's in a wasteland, and I just don't know how much further I can push him down if he's... Because so, you saw the logic I applied with, with basically Edelman, right? I'm just looking at targets at that point, right? With Sony, I just wonder if I'm looking at Watches. 250 targets... Or 250 rushes, rather. Imagine 250 targets. Yeah. You know, 250 rushes where he's amongst a group that I don't know how many I confidently say hit 200. Okay. That's fair. Then let me ask you the other kind of part of this question. James White mm -hmm. is going ahead of Sony Michelle. James White is going as RB30. Do you think you thought this helped Julian Edelman? Does the fact that you now have a former MVP at quarterback who has experience dumping it off to Christian McCaffrey help James White over the kid out of Auburn? Yes, I think this is amazing for James White because that 2018 season where Cam had his career-high completion percentage, yeah. and I think that considering we've, again, seen reports that Belichick spoke with North Turner, I think that they're going to want to see what it, they can replicate from that. In that season, McCaffrey was the leading receiver, had 124 targets yeah. for 107 catches and six receiving touchdowns. You look at what James White did last year, was the second leading receiver with 72 catches with 95 targets, 645 yards, and five touchdowns. I think James White, again, I think he gets a really nice boost from this. Now, he doesn't bring really the, the running work of a Sony Michelle. I wish they'd just make James White the bell cow, honestly. So let I me think. ask you this, because right now at number 30 in the running back market, he's a flex play, right? Would you be comfortable saying he's a top 24 back and thus an RB2? I am right? Looking. So in between 30 and what I'll call the very end of RB2, right, is number 24, right? So there's... Uh, one, two, three, four, five people in between, you know, where James White is now and categorizing him as an RB2. How many of these people would you rather have James White over? Would you rather have him over Cam Akers? Would you rather have him over DeAndre Swift? Would you rather have him over Kareem Hunt? Would you rather have him over Raheem Mostert? Would you rather have him over Devin Singletary? Those are the names he would have to hop on these rankings to become an RB2. I'll take him over. I'll take him over Acres. I'll take him over even Mostart because who the hell knows in that combination right now? Swift? I don't know if I would take him over Swift. Singletary? I kind of like Singletary and Moss. Um, Kareem Hunt? I think that offense is going to be a little explosive. So while there is some I would, and quite frankly, I might take him over some of the guys that are in RB2 territory right now, like David Montgomery, who comes to mind. I think he moves up, but I don't know if I'm comfortable and happy if James White is my RB2 in my league. I would say that James... Now, I'm not happy if he's my RB2 because I think that what we've gone through here is you should be trying to get two backs in the top 20 sure. rounds. Right. right. We've, by the way, we're playing it, right? We already have Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, like I'm not happy oh. with, with David Montgomery as my RB2, and he's right now... RB24. At level, right? right. We're going to try and prioritize running back so we don't have to deal with what you previously described as the wasteland. Ex yes, exactly. But I will say this about James White, right? And you just look at that group of guys you listed. Cam Akers, we've talked about. We don't know what that's going to look like, right? If you were drafting today, today, you'd take James White. I would. Probably the same with DeAndre Swift. And you said Raheem oh, Mostert, yeah. which, I, which I tend to agree with. I think he might out-target Kareem Hunt. The Singletary situation's been weird to me the whole time. He's getting closer if, yeah. if the draft was today. He gets pretty close. No, I think that's true. A lot of stuff to look at that is in flux now with the New England Patriots. Where would we slot Cam 
Here's another question. And we got some good old football across the pond to discuss. We'll do all of that as we wrap up another edition of In Game Live. We're over here giving you the edge. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh and the spitting statistician trying to give you the edge. And, you know, we've been looking at the fantasy aspect of it, right? Edelman moves up boards for us. There's the potential of some of that goal line work and some of that touchdown getting sopped up by Cam Newton. So is that a risk to Sony Michelle? Do we like James White out of the backfield more? But the question remains, Kevin, what about Cam himself? Because Cam himself has a history of being a very valuable fantasy quarterback. You know, the running is always there. The rushing touchdowns are there. And as you've been describing, Cam, you know, improved his completion percentage. I believe under this Josh McDaniels offense, it will look a lot like 2018 Cam. And by the way, Kevin, in 2018, when Cam played 14 games, not the full 16, he was easily a top 10 quarterback, especially if you look at like points per game, he was even in the top five. Yeah, he was outrageous. Through 14 weeks, he was QB5. Through 16, missing those two weeks, um, I see him as quarterback 10. Right. Like, but he played in those two games. He hops over people that he had technically less points than, like an Aaron Rodgers or a, even a Tom Brady, let's say, and finishes yeah. right there in the top five. And by the way, that's there's still a, a number of games in there where he was not healthy, right? Right. Like, right, he, right. Still, he still was injured in a number of those football games. So 488 rushing yards look pretty damn good, though. This is the thing. like We know how valuable a running quarterback is. I'm pretty sure that any time Cam Newton has ever played, like, at least 14 games, I'm pretty sure he's always been a quarterback one. This is what he does. He he produces. Like, even if you want to take out the real... Yeah, I don't care what hats or glasses he's wearing. The man produces. And I don't know why people get so mad about that. Like, the dude's got drip. Stop hating. Like, I just think, like, you're looking at a quarterback here. I don't, like, again, if a draft was today, I don't know where he comes off the board. I feel pretty strongly, though, he should come off the board as one of the first 12. So let me ask it to you this way, because, you know, as you've noted earlier in the show, as we continue to do this, right, we are sharpening our knives on guys that are our guys, our approaches. We've talked about leading with the running back position on this show. Um, I don't know if you fully agree with me or subscribe to the theory, right, Kev? But for me, it's a binomial decision at quarterback. Either you're worth the draft capital it takes at a high level or I'm waiting on quarterback, right? And so in that approach, you've talked about guys like a Kyler Murray. You've talked about guys like a, a Dak Prescott, a Patty Mahomes as ones that are worth spending the draft pick it would require in order to get him. We've talked about other quarterbacks, including even your boy Carson Wentz, down to guys like Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, your boy Ryan Tannehill, who are like, while I like him, I'm going to wait and get whichever one falls in my lap. Mm -hmm. So the question I'll frame for you around Cam is this. Are you going out and getting Cam, or are you just happy if he happens to be in that group of quarterbacks that fall in your lap after nine have been drafted? It's a great question. Let me let me let me ask you something right before I answer it, though. Go ahead. Last year's Tom Brady. Now I don't know if you know exactly where he finished. Far different quarterback with a rushing potential. Right. Last year, Tom Brady in this Patriots team, quarterback twelve through sixteen weeks. Yeah. Cam Newton. Then that means Cam Newton's floor is like quarterback ten. I'm gonna go out and get Cam. You're gonna and, go out and, and get Cam. I think I think yeah I think we're okay. going to be in a spot here where people are going to be very cautious about a dude that always delivers when he's healthy. I, and here's the thing, I'm going to be able to get him at maybe I mean the thing is, can I say I'm going to go get him and I still get him as the 11th quarterback off the board? No, we're going to test that theory right now, Kev, okay? Right. okay. You're going to go get him. I'm going to tell you this. I like Cam, okay? I'm not going to go get him because for me, the strategy of waiting on quarterback, I don't care who the quarterback is, 
my I'm gonna wait regardless. Okay, and I'm gonna both descriptions on the value that maybe he's still there. I'm not gonna go get him. For me, the inkling to wait is stronger than any individual quarterback, unless settings dictate otherwise. Go ahead. Let me just right. The thing is, right? I guess if I'm gonna go get a quarterback, does that mean I have to take him as one of the first six quarterbacks? Because, and I think maybe what I mean by that is like, I believe that to get one of the first. What you just said, to get one of the first six quarterbacks, I believe you are going to have to be willing to spend one of your first five picks in order to do so. Are you willing to spend your fifth round pick on Cam Newton? I think that and I think that's a great way to put it. And I think the reason why it's difficult for me to accurately answer it is I don't think I'm going to have to. And that's why. Waiting on him, he might be one of those guys who you hope is there still. Because the thing is, right, and I know we're going to go through this exercise, but we're not going to ask about that top six. Lamar, Mahomes, Dak, Russ, Kyler, Deshaun. Yeah. I don't see any world that Cam cracks that top six. Okay. I don't see, and I, what I mean by that is in ADP. I don't okay. mean that from a scoring perspective. I mean that in an ADP standpoint. Fair. I don't, I don't think he cracks that top six. So inherently he's not going to come off the board early enough. Like, that's almost like I can sit there, right, and say someone's sending me a notification when the first six are gone. And then I'm going to look at Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, and Cam Newton, right? By that, you're not going out and getting Cam. Right, but it it would be bad drafting of me to go get him. Because I For might, me, sim- you know, I, I just define it slightly differently, Kev. For me, if I'm going to target someone, I'm willing to overpay for that person because I'm getting him. I'm going to get him, and well, I'm going to do that. Still overpay. Play- I might still overpay for Cam and maybe take him as quarterback seven, but I don't think there's a world where those other guys are on the board. Like the thing is, would you? Would I? Even if I love Cam, right? Yeah, I don't know if I have to draft him before Watson ends up on a on a different roster. You're right. So let me put it in a different kind of case study because I hear what you're saying, right? We're staring. You're in your draft. Yes. You've gotten your two running backs. Awesome. Got your three wide receivers. Great team. It is the sixth round, right? It's the sixth round. Cam Newton is still on the board. Mm Mm-hmm. But so is Josh Allen, so is Carson Wentz, so is Drew Brees, so is, you know, two other quarterbacks who you think you do. Do you pull the trigger and draft Cam there, or do you keep kicking the can down the road and draft like Hunter Henry or another wideout instead? I think you're going to say you wait. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's... And I- Every single round, you're going to be faced with that same exact kind of decision. Pull the trigger on Cam or Carson Wentz or wait. And I believe that in that context, Kev, your true decision is going to be to wait. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think you put it well enough now to where I have but no choice to to say I, you're right. Because that's the thing <laughs> is. No, sir, because what's like going to happen is. Six, with the options before you and the supply and demand that is still there at QB. Right. I think basically the best way to describe it is, and you mentioned Le'Veon Bell, who you've entirely sold me on, right? Le'Veon Bell's a spot where I'm not going to mess around about, oh, is he going to make it back? I don't know if he makes it back. If I, like, if I missed out on Le'Veon Bell due to the other running backs he goes around, I'd be furious, okay. right? If I missed out on Cam, I'd be annoyed. But As Tom I'm- Brady is still on the board. Who has, points. That's fine. Right. Like, that is the... But we are also now potentially looking at a situation where the quarterback group for this year, deep, it's always deep. That front 12, that front 12 is all really good. Yes, I agree with you. But, like, I can make a case for QB 15 being really good. I can make a case for QB 17 being really good. Right, and I and I I get that you can make the case, but you know how you know how every year, right? That yeah. weight, that quarterback thing, and you see a couple of guys that are out there just. Right. What I'm saying is, because you know how guy, the guy, like the guy who drafts Lamar, somehow is also the first dude that has a backup quarterback. And if you're that person in fantasy, I dislike you because you're making a bad decision and you're hurting my whole weight on quarterback strategy. Right. Here's what I'm saying is, 
if the top 12 quarterbacks in fantasy were evenly distributed across 12 teams, sure. I think 10 of 12 teams will probably end up starting, could end up starting that guy for 16 weeks or right. 15 with the yeah. way fantasy is. And, and listen, bro, and then we got to talk a little bit about some soccer, but if I'm in a 12-team league and 11 teams have drafted their quarterback already, yeah, I'm still comfortable. I, I don't feel any walls closing in on me. I just don't. If 11 quarterbacks are off the board, and like literally as I stand in fantasy pros right now, if yeah. 11 quarterbacks are off the board, you're telling me after everyone has filled that position, I still have my choice of Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and others? I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. fine with that. And I will go at it. You're telling me my two quarterbacks can be Aaron Rodgers and Baker Mayfield? And I waited until the very, very end. Sure. Yeah. Bring it I, on. I, Let's I totally, do it. I think that's totally fair. And I, I'll just. Go ahead. I'll just say, I guess there is a world, right, where, you know, you're battling with the Rodgers, Baker stuff back and forth. But I would have never thought Baker would have been bad last year. And Rodgers was kind of an up and down. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, but that's going to be the case for someone in the top 12, too. Like Josh Allen could defecate the mattress this year. Could right, but the, this is the reason why that group is so enticing. Is you have a lot of guys that are going to give you that rushing floor, yeah. and the exceptions are a part of these outrageously right. loaded offenses. Right, like the Matt Ryan's and the Drew Breeses of the world. I, that makes sense to me. We only got a couple minutes left, and Kev, I know you wanted to tell me over there in Syria. Ah, some of the big boys are in play today. Absolutely. Um, we've got Juve in action. Uh, they're going to be scoring all the goals. Go over three and a half for, for plus money, around plus 180 or so over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Lazio, who has dro who dropped a point, um, dropped three points, actually, when they played Atalanta, who's um, absolutely the best team in the universe. Um, they're only like a <laughs> minus 125 road favorite in their game. They still are on the heels of Juventus. They're going to look to keep play, uh, pace. I think that that's also a pretty good value spot. And I'll also just throw out two quick ones. Yeah. Um, Barca's playing Atletico Madrid. It, Barca has had a shutout in four of their five games since restarting. Atletico in three of their five. They played early in the year. It was 1-0 Barca. Under two and a half goals. It's around minus 125. If you want to go under one and a half as well, that's a nice plus price. Um, and then also Manchester United against Brighton is a pretty interesting game. It's a game that I'm just simply, I'm not going to give you a pick on. All I'm going to say is Bruno Fernandez, who's been the best player for Manchester United, went out and played pretty much 130 minutes in an ah. FA Cup game against Norwich. He so. might be on the bench. If that's the case, take a look at the under in this game. He's very, very important. That's a game where you need to get the 11, I think, before you put your wagers down. All right, fair enough. Thanks for those insights, Kev. And we'll, we'll have more for you right again tomorrow as we turn the calendar to July. I can't believe we have hit July already, Kev. The boys of summer are coming back in this month as well. For my man, Kevin Walsh, I'm merely the spitting statistician. The morning after is up next. Keep it locked right here. Keep on getting the edge. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.